morning, everyone. It's great to see you all this morning. It's good to see some friendly faces. We have visitors from, from I don't know, what region are you? Mid-North Coast, that's the one. We have old faces jumping down from Queensland. So it's good. Good to see some new faces back and things like that. Welcome. Um, what a what a cracking morning of worship. <laughs> I just what a good way, like how good to shift that space that sometimes you get stuck in. <clears throat> so I just, you know, hope, hope that, you know, hope has a name. It's not this abstract concept. It's actually a person. And that is good. And that's why we follow. We follow that person because he is hope and he is real. And, um, and so, you know, that's why we've been looking at what does a disciple look like? What does it look like to actually follow this person called Jesus? Like, what does it mean? Is it just that we come to church on a Sunday? Is it just that we tick that box on the referendum? Um, not the referendum, the... <laughs> What's the other thing called? Census. The census. That's right. The census. <laughs> we didn't tick boxes on the referendum. It's all good. We had to write. <laughs> tick that box on the census. Like, is that what it is to be a disciple? Or is that just that we're a Christian... Like, that's where religious, like, affiliation... You know... Last week we had this message unpacking the story of God. Like just working out, well, what is it we believe in? So therefore we need to know the story of God across time. But also how we fit into that story of what God is doing. Because it's so good to discover that I'm not the centre of the universe. <laughs> the story is not about me. <laughs> it's about God. But the reality of God's story is he's actually inviting me into it. He's inviting me to be a part of community with him. To not just sit on the sidelines, to not just um, be one of the numbers, but actually to be in community and relationship with him. And to step out of myself as the centre of the world and to step into a story where God has created a place for us to dwell with him. Like he's created this world, not just for a bit of fun, but he's actually created it because he's a God that just, he loves community. He is community. And so if he was going to create people, well, he needed a place where he could have community with them. And so this creation that was, you know, spoken into existence by his son Jesus and then sustained by his Holy Spirit is a picture of just that story of God wanting to be in community with him. You know, it starts in the Garden of Eden, where he creates a garden that he could walk with people, like so that, you know, he could be with them. Then it had to shift because of choices. And so he chose a family to be an example of, okay, this is what it can look like to be in community with me. And... I'll go with you. So he travelled with them in the ark. <laughs> travelled with them to be in community with them. Then it moved on to being living amongst them in their, in their space, in the, in the land that he gave them at that point in time because that was part of the unpacking of, of this is what I look like when I live in community with you. 
And so the temple at Jerusalem was a place where that could happen. But, you know, across all these times, us people (laughs) kept on getting mistakes, messing it up, never quite getting the picture of what God wanted. So he chose, and this was always the plan, (laughs) to walk amongst us, just like in the garden, but this time now in our mess, to walk in our mess and show us what it is like to be with God in our midst. And we get this amazing experience of the disciples and, and, you know, just being with Jesus and just seeing God come down to earth and touching things and, and you know, making change, <laughs> creating something new and different and fresh from what they understood because they had kind of completely twisted it from what God intended. And now he goes one step even further and he offers us the opportunity to dwell in us, in the Holy Spirit. This whole story, just, just you know, of God wanting to be in community with us, dwelling with us, being known to us. But it's also a tension across that whole story of what God is like versus who we actually are. Because what God is like and what he intended for us and who we actually turned out being because of our choices made it not possible for God to dwell with people who didn't want him. Because that's the free choice he gave us. He gave us the choice to say, no, actually... I don't want you. And the logical reality is, if you don't want him, you're not with him. <laughs> like, it's just, like, you just can't be with him if you don't want him. Because, um, well, it just makes sense. <laughs> and so we see in that space, we see Satan, who was an angel, cast out of heaven. Because he didn't want God. So he was given the choice leave (laughs) didn't have a choice he just couldn't be physically in that space anymore and that's the same with us we have a choice to choose God or not to choose him and when we choose we don't choose him then we we just have to be separated because we've chosen not to be with him and so God's story that that was intended to just be a picture of us in community with him you know, ended up with that complication. You know, the story, the complication we all learn about in primary school. <laughs> Even God's story gets a complication. <laughs> but he still invites us back. He still invites us. He still gives us opportunity through Jesus to be in that space. And that is what it is to be a disciple. It's not ticking that box. And that's why we want to know what it is, what it looks like to be that disciple because we want to do it well. A history of following of, you know, of the church has shown, however, that that choice is risky. And my title, you know, this week is, you know, what about the risks? <laughs> and it kind of might seem a bit of a funny title. But, but you see, that, that's a real danger. It's a real thing. All across our world, people are taking risks 
because of following Jesus. Because there is an active enemy. There is someone who is against God. He is real. His darkness is not something to celebrate. It's not something to think of as just a bit of fun. It's real. And we need to be aware of that. And, you know, but because there's that out there, even Jesus warned us to count the cost. I think, doesn't he just want us to follow him? Like, whatever, just, you know, just however it happens, just follow me. But Jesus says, no, count the cost. He says in Luke 14, if you want to be my disciple, this is what it looks like. And it's harsh. Some versions say you must hate everyone else by comparison. Some versions say love me more. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Because Jesus says, otherwise, you just cannot be my disciple. <laughs> it's, it's harsh, but that's how he puts it out. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. And that's what Jesus sets out. And I read that and I go, what happened to the God of love? Like what happened to the, to the, to the soft Jesus? The one who just gathers everyone under his wing? I don't think Jesus is saying that, you know, you have to be a horrible person. <laughs> He's just saying that, that there's a line that needs to happen. There's a division. And you're either with me or you're not. It's not a lifestyle add-on. It's not a cross that we wear around our neck. It's not a tattoo on our arm. It's not our ideals, our agendas. Like, that's not, like, that's not what makes us a disciple. But, you know, if I carry my cross, does that just mean I, is that just about giving up my Sunday? Or, you know, is it, is, is it just about the fact that I might have different ideas or thoughts, but that's okay, I'll just think differently and no one needs to know about it? Following Jesus is actually giving up everything and when I read that I have to think am I prepared for that or another way of looking at it am I prepared for the alternative so Jesus had a massive few days in Mark 8 he'd fed another crowd of 4,000 and then the Pharisees had demanded a miraculous sign after the feeding of the 4,000. And then his disciples were arguing over who forgot the bed on the boat trip. <laughs> like, I think by this stage, even Jesus is going, oh my goodness, <laughs> like what's going on? What have I got here? <laughs> In Mark 8 verse 17, Jesus knew what they were saying when they were arguing over the bread. It's like, why are you arguing about bread? Don't you know or even understand yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Like we get so focused in on these little weird details. 
And Jesus is just, he's wanting to show them something more, something bigger. Like it's, it's not just about being in the boat with him. It's, it's not just about being on this fun adventure like a big Christian camp. So finally they arrive at Bethsaida and people then begin to beg him to heal a blind man. And eventually he's alone with his disciples and thinks, I just need to talk about these things right now with them. He knows that they're struggling with this all. He's, he knows that it's, it's not making sense. You know, that the forgotten bread is just a little side thing. And so he asks them who they think he is. And they've witnessed a lot. And so they declare that he's the Messiah. Yes, tick. Just like saying Jesus in SRE. You got it. That's the answer. But what's their concept of a Messiah? Someone who will lead them to victory. Someone who's going to give them their freedom. Someone to be their physical king on the throne to overthrow the Romans, to bring back who they think they are or should be. So what they hear next rattles a few ideas. Mark 8, 31, this is what Jesus tells them. Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He told them they would be killed, that he would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. And so he started talking about all these things and, and, and you know, describing it. And I guess the disciples were just like, it's not going past. As he talked about it openly, with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him about saying such things. And Jesus kind of like turned around and I guess he looked at his disciples and, and then he reprimanded Peter. He said, get away from me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not God's. I don't think I wanted to be... Peter at that stage. You see, predicting these reject, his rejection and death, Peter was completely shocked. He doesn't like what Jesus is saying. It doesn't fit with his picture of the, the glorious Messiah. Because Jesus was not painting a picture of an earthly victory. He was laying out a path of rejection. And even though, you know, Peter misses the bit about rising from the dead in the middle of that, doesn't understand it. But in Peter's reaction to all of what Jesus is trying to show him and unpack to him, and he just he he just goes, No, I, I don't I don't want that. I want <laughs> I want the Messiah. <laughs> I want the Messiah to come. I want the Messiah to bring victory. Is, is, is this thing running the narrative that he'd been taught to wait for and to long for? And so Jesus rebukes him using incredibly strong language. Get away from me, Satan, he says. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, 
not from God's. Isn't that an echo from Isaiah 55, you know, where we talked about how God said, you know, my thoughts are so far above yours. They are so far removed from the way you think. Isn't that the same echo that Jesus says? You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. We just don't get it so often. Jesus doesn't need to fight for an earthly kingdom. You know, it's not, he's looking for more. He doesn't want one place. He doesn't want one throne. He sees us all. Like Jeff was saying, he sees every nation. He sees every tribe. He sees every tongue. This is what he longs for. Not just one nation. He longs for the whole lot to be under him, to know him, to rejoice in him. And, and that is a disciple. Someone who gets that picture too. Someone who jumps in with Jesus and goes, that's what I want. What I've got here is irrelevant. What I want is the kingdom of heaven. His plan is to make all things new, to make it all completely fresh, new, working, working order. And he invites us into that space to start the, to start the job, to start seeing, helping people to see what that would look like, to, to bring those little bits of heaven down to earth so that when it happens... People are ready. They go, yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> so that, you know, forget that bit. <laughs> Let's move on to the next point. And so Jesus goes like in this, you know, he's, here's what Peter says. He sees the struggle going on with the disciples. And so he wants to make it really, really clear what it means to follow him. Like, He's saying, God's, God's way is just different to yours, so, so let's work it out. And so not just disciples now, but he gathers the rest. He gets this crowds that are hanging around, and he says, calling the crowd to join his disciples in Mark 8, 34. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus puts a high price on our soul. That's what he's here for. It's, it's worth everything to him. But there's only two options for it. It's to live our life our own way or to live life Jesus' way. Under him, there's no, there's no middle ground. And so if we want to live our own life our own way, we, we get to choose the direction. <laughs> Jesus calls it selfish ways. But we get to choose it. We say, I want to do this today. I want to go here. 
This is what I want. We can gain the whole world that way. Jesus was offered the whole world too. In Mark, Mark, um, Matthew, Matthew 4, he was offered the whole world. The devil took him to the, to the peak of a very high mountain. Don't worry, it's not on the things. I added it later. And he showed in the whole world, the nations of the whole world and all their glory. And he says, I will give it to you if you will only kneel down and worship me. He was offered the whole world. But when we think we can live a life independent of God and hang on to our life, we're choosing a way apart from him. Because in bowing down, Jesus was lost everything. Because the result of hanging on to our life is that we lose it. We give allegiance to something else. If we reject Jesus, we actually lose control of our soul. We lose control of what we're created for, what we're intended for. What we were supposed to be, we no longer have control of. But if we live Jesus' way, and put aside ourself, give up our own life, verse 35, take up our cross, in other words, suffer as Jesus, rejection, that path, there's a completely different result. If you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Because under Jesus, we're created for a specific purpose, in a specific way. We are created to worship. And so we live as we're intended because we're created to live in community. Like that was the picture God had of us when he, when he created us and designed us, each and every one of us, there was this little part inside us that God said, this part's for me. But you have a choice. That's where the battle is. It's over our souls. It's a battle for each person. And there is opposition. But there's choice. But the battle keeps going because God never gives up. Because there's anything more worth more than your soul. So he continues to display his love and his goodness in the most random ways and through all sorts of people. He keeps finding little ways to, to open our eyes to the, this world and all that he is. Because these souls and these beings that we are were created to live in community with him. Father, Son, Spirit, intended to be free, to love and worship. And when we follow Jesus, we live as we're intended to. We get to participate then in this victory over death. We get to participate in the rising bit that Peter missed. We get to see that, that the, the real victory comes when we start 
bringing heaven to earth and life flows out of us to touch every nation, every tribe, every tongue in who Jesus is, in what he loves, what he longs for. And we start taking back the darkness that tried to, tried to smash everything. And so Jesus, Jesus asked the crowd, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? And I just, I just want to spend some time thinking about that as Mark can come up and just, just that we can go to that space. Because he knows your soul is worth dying for. He knows that the only way to save our soul is to give it up. And that's what he did. Rising to victory in life just like him. Proclaiming the kingdom of heaven through him. And so we, like, is there a risk? The risk is if we don't follow him. The risk is if we don't, we don't see what Je- who Jesus is. That we don't understand that, that there's only two options. That we, that we think that, that, um, that it's just ticking a box in the census. And as Jesus puts it out, it's, it, there's, a, there's a stark contrast and a stark reality of what it looks like. And there's no... You know, how do I put this? It's, it's, not, it's not like there's, this is a box to follow Jesus. Because each and every person has come to Jesus in their story, in the way that he's drawn them and the place they're from. And so that's why Jesus says to us, he doesn't say, go and follow these rules. He doesn't say, you know, just just do this, A, B, C, and you'll get it right. He says, Walk with me. He says, put my yoke on you, like we talked about the other week. He says, I'm going to do this with you to be my disciple. Because each and every one of us is a precious soul to him. And he wants us to do it well. And he wants us to do it with him. And he wants to show us how to get it right, how to walk with him, how to, to, to learn what his heartbeat is, to learn how big a step to take at different times, to learn how to connect to people like he does, to learn how to value people like he does. Because as we walk with him, we see what he does. As we walk with him, we see how he would talk to someone 
we get a different perspective, a different understanding in our head. He starts whispering in our ear. He starts bringing stuff through the Bible that goes, that's me. (laughs) Points us out. Points out who it is. He starts helping us to see people all across the world in a different light because we start unpacking his heart for them. And that's what I want. (laughs) Like, I want to know. I want to know how to walk with him, how to focus on him and not get sidetracked by other things, you know, issues, novelties, whatever it happens to be. But actually outwork this thing of of putting him first, the most important thing in my world, following Jesus. And today I just think it's a great opportunity for us to stop and reflect in the heat of our world, in the heat of our nation. So just start and, and just, you know, poke ourselves and think, have I just got a little bit, you know, too focused on something else or some other agenda or something? There's, there's a lot of great things out there and a lot of good causes. But it's not about any of those, either side, anyway, whatever. It's about following Jesus and discovering his heart for people. And I just think it would be great to just, just, look, just close our eyes <laughs> and just think across our world. And you know it's actually a good thing to go, what's the first thing I think of when I wake up? Is it what I've got on today? Or is it Jesus? I know I'm guilty so often of it not being Jesus. So I just long to just make that space where when I wake up in the morning, he's the first thing I think about. His name is on my lips, in my mind when I wake up and I can just start my day there. I'm a disciple of Jesus and I'll let him follow me. I'll let him take the lead and I will follow. And in this space, like it may be that you've never actually said that you want to follow Jesus, it's kind of like then this this play going on between, well, I'll tick the box that I'm a Christian, but these things, I just need to live my life this way. And I'll come to church, or I'll read my Bible, but, but actually, today, I want to follow Jesus. And I want to make a shift in how that happens. So this morning, if, if, there's a, if there's a line that you want to draw, and you don't want to sit on the fence anymore that's not there, and you just want to go, I want to be a disciple, 
then can I encourage you to actually put your hand in the air? As a, as a marker, that I'm not going to be ashamed of this. It's a choice I want to make. Yep. Thank you, I see. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. I just, I want to draw a line. And today, there's no going back. There's something to celebrate. It's awesome. Why don't we, well, let's just stand up. <laughs> let's stand up. Because this morning, as people have just recommitted that, drawn a line in the sand, it's something that we can celebrate. Something that we can just, we just know right now, I'm a disciple of Jesus. There's hope in that name. The glorious name. And I just want to, I want to pray. And that together, there's no compromising that we're disciples of Jesus and we go forward in Him. Lord God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, this morning, Lord God, we just, we worship You. We come and we gather in Your name. Holy Spirit, and we just, we just recommit our lives and, and we just, we say thank you. We say thank you that you are Lord and we say thank you that you love us so much, that you value our soul above all else and that you just long for us to be in that communion with you. Holy Spirit, just teach us, teach us. Show us, speak to us, open the word to us, Lord God, and let us be your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray.